guys. Welcome to the podcast Around the Campfire. Today on the show, we have Tim Ray, who is the founder of Live Your Freedom. So we're going to talk more about how guys can live live your freedom. And you know, as on Conscious Alpha, part of the thing is living life on your terms. So this works out perfectly to get the insider secrets from Tim Ray of how to live your freedom. Tim has uh, coached guys. He's an expert with a background in psychology and also a communications expert. So Tim, welcome to the show, man. Ricky, thank you for having me, man. It's an honor to be on here. And and I've heard and I know you're doing some great things as well. I'm happy to sit down and have a conversation with you, brother. Yeah. So why don't we dive into it and from the guys that don't really know who you are, let's uh, talk a little bit about your backstory. What what inspired you to create uh, your brand, Live Your Freedom? And what is that? Well, let's start with there. What, what, what inspired you to create your brand, Live Your Freedom and Help Guys? Sure. So basically, I, I come from the pickup community, the like hardcore end of the dating community. Um, and that was my, my passion, my, my love for a very, very long time. Um, okay. I originally have a background in psychology and, and I kind of got away from that. I left school about three and a half, four years in um, okay. to go and pursue pickup. And my life went great. What, at first. what got but, you into pickup? Why, why did you jump into that? The reason why I got into pickup was because there was basically a void, right? I, I felt mm-hmm. alone. I felt like okay. there were opportunities that I could have had to spend time with women that I did not have previously. So I got into pickup to fill that. The thing is, once I got in and the ball started rolling, I didn't actually recognize that that was what I wanted. And and that was like the true purpose. Then it became more so let me acquire more and more and more and more. I need to get laid all the time. I need to fuck more girls have to be hotter and hotter and hotter. The reason I got into it, honestly, the reason I did that first Google search of how to get a girl to like me and then found all the forums and all the companies was just because I wanted a girlfriend and someone to spend time with and like me. Like that was what gotcha. it was. Yeah. And then okay. it went to something way different. <laughs> okay. So how, how did it go from there? You, you're in the pickup community. Uh, are you, are you getting the results you want? Are you happy? Like what's going on? So, so basically I started off and like a lot of guys, the journey was like tough. I remember being in the mall for three, four hours every uh-huh. weekend or like three, four yeah. days a weekend. Um, 18, 19 year old kid. That was when I first found out about it. That wasn't really when I committed to it, but you know, starting then not being able to speak to anyone. Um, and then eventually I, I got mentors. I started, you kind of just, I got momentum of going out, finally got rid of the fear and started meeting girls. And um, then I, I got really good. Actually, I was mentored by someone who who was actually very good with women, had a pretty successful dating life by, by his own standards. And, and at the time, what I thought was successful and um, cool. started coaching people as I got much better. And this is around when I was 21. Um, okay. Then I started a, a brand, a coaching brand. It was called Viking Lifestyle at the times. Nice. Um, yeah. And, and, and the reason it was called that is because my first mentor was Swedish. So he, he's like a Viking, looks like he has like a big beard. And so he would call himself a Viking. So we just named the company Viking Lifestyle. It was his company. Um, nice. Yeah. And then I, traveling after a while and teaching people in different countries. And then I just went through a really dark period after a while. I'd gotten like results in all over the world and all kinds of crazy stuff. I launched a product um, called the fuck boy frame, which I told you about. That was yep. early 20, early 2018 freaking changed my life um, <laughs> and, and blew all the money on like Balenciaga's and <laughs> fancy shoes and crazy Airbnbs. And um, then I just went through a real depression. 
Like I, I had girls, I had money to an extent. I had, it was traveling all over and stuff, but I mm-hmm. really was very depressed. And it wasn't like recognizable depression at the time. I didn't think it was that, but it manifested mm-hmm. in drinking excessively. So okay. it, it was really, really bad. Like, I think people don't understand how bad this was. I mean, if you've dealt with alcoholism before or, you know, mm-hmm. addiction, it, it, you you will know what I'm talking about, but it, it was bad. And And eventually I just hit rock bottom. And I was never at a point where I felt like, I had to end it all because because based mm-hmm. on like my background and stuff, I just didn't have that train of thinking, but I was okay. an extreme aggressive nihilist. So it was like mm. I accepted and believed that my life had zero purpose and there was no reason for me to do anything ever. Um, and this came across in my writing, my teaching. And at the same time, I started hating pickup because I was like, there's no purpose to any of this. Everyone's lying about all of this. It's all like, just be cool. And, you know, I started even resenting my clients. So I was who I was working with at the time because I was mm. like, why do I have to work with these guys? They should just be cool guys. But then I hated the cool guys because <laughs> I didn't start off like that. And then I had, to, I just had to do some deep inner work with one of my close mentors. His name is Tom Wiggum, if I can give him a little shout out. Yeah, and yeah. He, he helped me really just clear up so many of the, the demons that were holding me down. Um, and then, you know, I got more into spirituality. I, I found God as ho- however you see it, but I, I found mm-hmm. that for me. And um, I started looking at the reasons for why I even got into this in the first place. And mm-hmm. then I just did a whole 180 and kind of started from the bottom but with all these new skills that I had learned with taking action. Cause you know, I do believe as a man, you have to take action. Like in, in yeah. your life, I think you probably agree. You can't just say, screw pick up. I'm never going to talk to a girl again. You do have to do things. And yeah. I took that. And instead of resenting that journey, I, instead I used it for good. And, or, or at least right now, I think it's good. Maybe in 10 years, who knows? I'll come back and say, right. Rick, live your freedom. Live your freedom. Lie, but- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's complete bullshit. And here's why. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you know, and the movement we've been doing has been helping a lot of guys and I've never been happier with the people I'm working with now. Um, and the mission that me and the, the small team I have around me, what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's crazy. And I'll give this to you. I'm curious your thoughts about this. As I've started to give more of myself in a healthy way, I've begun to attract people into my life who I just find absolutely incredible people to just communicate with and work with guys like yourself. And this is like Mm -hmm. one of the first conversations we're ever having, but you know, I assume we'll build a relationship after this and be in touch Mm -hmm. guys like you messaging me, me being able to reach out to other people who I never would have connected with before in the headspace I was in. It's just beautiful. And I think that things are so much different now. Yeah, that's that's crazy. There, there's a lot to unpack there. So let's, let's kind of go back to uh, the dark times a little bit, and then we'll jump forward mm-hmm. to what you're doing now. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So you so you reached a point of of nihilism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like a point of nihilism, and what that's what's crazy is a lot of guys. You know, they would they would love to be in your shoes when you were mm-hmm. at that peak, right? Where you're you're right. getting everything you want because. Usually, most guys get into self development, and I notice, I notice on like uh, different webinars or stuff I have, I'm like, okay, guys, what are your goals? And it's always get bitches, get money, right? And sure. that, that, that's like the first level. It's almost like getting your needs met in a certain level. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. once you hit that, it, it's funny that like, and I've I've hit these too, and I know a lot of other guys have as well. Is you hit these levels of depression sure. because you've mm-hmm. actually succeeded, you got what you wanted, and you mm-hmm. realize that that isn't what you were actually grasping for. And I think this, this is great. I'm, I'm about to do a webinar on this too. And, and your brand name goes perfectly of living your freedom. Cause that's mm-hmm. actually, that's actually what you're looking for is freedom. 
you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like as uh, alpha males, you're always, you're always reaching toward trying to find new levels of freedom. And you think that's, you think that's sex. You think that mm -hmm. is uh, money and, and, and maybe like power as well. Like those mm -hmm. like things, you're like money, power, like all the ego based, but you realize that very quickly, those aren't the things that you're looking for. You're looking for freedom. And those sure. things are may, might be a means to an end, you know, after, mm -hmm. after you fuck a girl, yeah, you feel free. Like you, you walk down the street and you're like, oh, girls are checking you out and, and you don't mm -hmm. even need to hook up with them. You feel good. But it's that like, oh, I get to be myself. I'm free to be myself and I'm great in that way. So yeah. it's crazy. But yeah, it, it, there's also a level of going through that dark period. And, you know, like I mentioned mm -hmm. before too, I had to go through that as well where I was doing the dating coaching and then um, went like homeless for a bit. And I was like, holy shit. And it was almost like my yeah, journey. Yeah, your journey is crazy, man. Yeah, yeah. Like the, and it was, there was like a spiritual awakening. And it sounds like you kind of had that too with the nihilism in a way. It's like almost sure. like your life kind of caved in on itself. Mm -hmm. um, but it was to open you up to the deeper truths that you were searching yeah. for. Yeah. Here, here's the thing, man, about that, about kind of like what you need and freedom and all that. I think yeah, those yeah. are great points. And I want to elaborate on it because- those things we mentioned, like sex, like like money yeah. or status or um or pretty much those basic three things. Mm -hmm. If you have an absence of all of those things, that is not good. Like that's not healthy. Again, right. sure, some people can do it consciously, right? Like some people can choose to abstain from sex. That there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's a, it's coming from consciousness. But if you're unconsciously not having those things, and it's not where you're choosing to not have them, and you, you don't have those things. That's not healthy to have. Like, right. for example, I'll give a status because that's maybe something that is hard to define. So I'll mm -hmm. take that challenge here. So like something like status, it's actually very important for us as men to have a very well formed ego. There, in psychology, there's mm -hmm. something called the ego, which I'm sure you've heard of. Everyone kind of yeah. knows the term. And a, a big misconception that a lot of coaches teach um, is that you should not have an ego. And they're like, mm -hmm. stay away from ego and abandon ego and give it up. And, and I do understand some schools of like, spirituality that you talk about this but the definitions they use are different but clinically you're you're actually supposed to have a very well-formed ego you're supposed to mm. um you're supposed to actually see yourself as someone of status someone of worth someone of value and if you don't see yourself like this that is a problem and, and and again there's there's levels to this now so what happens is you get a guy who i don't know let's take the stereotypical client you or i would work with maybe mm -hmm. a guy and he's like maybe let's say he's 20, 28, 29, decent career, had a couple of relationships, but maybe girls kind of put him down a bit. He got cheated on once, you know, nothing too extreme, but, but not in the best place either. And he just wants to live a fulfilling dating life. This guy right. needs to understand that he is a, that he is a complete fucking gangster. Like you have, like <laughs> the, you know, your, what you do, like being coming an alpha, right? He needs right. to understand that at a certain point though, there comes a level where it's now normal and if he becomes addicted to chasing that and building that idea or that concept more, and that's what drives him, now it becomes unhealthy. Because gotcha. at a certain point, you level off, right? So again, it's like, what's yeah. that? Like, I'm sure you've experienced this. But have, you've like been like, I'm sure, not ever having sex. That's how I started. Like, uh -huh. you know, couldn't get shit at all. That's yeah. an absence. You want to have girls. You want to have a relationship. And that's great. And I'll tell my clients, I know you... I'm sure tell them this too. I've looked at some of your writing. Go for what you want. 
You should be able yep. to make stuff happen with women. If there's a woman in your life that you're attracted to, there's nothing wrong with going on a date, getting to know her intimately and having a great experience. And either a relationship would come out of that or she's not your type and you meet more girls and you do that. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Mm-hmm. There's a certain point though, where you actually have enough sex to reach a measurable level of happiness where you can, where you're mm-hmm. actually, you're, the chemistry of your body is like, okay. <laughs> like all your hormones oh. and all that stuff is regulated and you don't need more sex because you're actually like, you're not unfulfilled with that. But then there comes a tipping point, And this is what mine was. I, I was not addicted to sex, but I was addicted to, we'll go into this later with like shadow work and stuff. I was mm-hmm. addicted, addicted to the expectation that I had to be good at acquiring sex. But for most guys, they don't get to that point because they're not coaches mm-hmm. and things like that. But you basically what happens is you get addicted to the, the act of acquiring sex and chasing it. So now it's not even that in itself, having a lot of sex is terrible. I wouldn't say that because I mean, I told you I'm married and me and my wife are going at it all the time, right? <laughs> but when chasing more sexual opportunities becomes your main driving factor or your main driving force, once you've already reached a point where it's enough to make you ha- have a baseline of happiness, that's when this becomes unhealthy and that's when you start to get into like you start to move towards depression you start to move towards unfulfillment anxiety or at least that's what i experience everyone it manifests Mm -hmm. differently right that's kind of how this dynamic works and it's a trend i've seen among many guys or at least i try to tell it to guys who haven't gotten to where i've gotten with the the intimate dating part of things or you know where you've gotten i try to let them realize it's not all that once you become happy enough with what you've got yeah, that, that's that's huge. I think you put a lot of words to do things I've understood, like maybe um, understood the concepts of it. But yeah, and mm-hmm. especially the clinical part of that. That's great, man. Um, yeah. So let's dive into. I, well, actually, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to unpack there. Let's dive into the brand now. Uh, Live your freedom. Mm-hmm. So how did? So sure. you went through the dark period. You know, you yeah. you went through that. Went through depression, nihilistic time. And, and I like how you define that with guys because there's some guys that are like listening to this and they're like, dude, I've, like, I haven't had a girlfriend for like three years. What are you talking mm-hmm. about, freedom? Like, I'm so free right now and I'm so alone and like horny mm-hmm. and like, what the fuck? So I think that's good. And I even think that too with even like guys who go into pickup and stuff like that, it, it should only be like really like a two year journey. Like, in, mm-hmm. and I, like, like oh, with any great. of those phases yeah. is like, because that's enough to like, I mean, go at it hard, but like, only stay in it for two years so you get a level of competency and then it's like you said too with the um then then your body understands it's regulating like okay i'm competent at this i i don't need this enough to to fulfill myself and i think that's huge what you said is huge huge huge. um okay so but you've done all that now you've done that work you've reached a level or who people or guys who are listening have reached a level of competency but they're like okay what's Mm -hmm. the next level i'm feeling Mm -hmm. unfulfilled how did you go on to uh, building the brand of Live Your Freedom? And how did you find that as your purpose? Yeah. So so basically, after the journey of pickup, like I told you, I went through this, kind of this resentment. And <laughs> here's this is what's funny about it. Basically, there's this thing called infield footage, which I'm sure – have you ever have you ever filmed infield, by the way, like in your pickup days? Have you ever filmed I've infield? done a little bit. I usually do like okay. pictures and shit like that. Yeah. I see. Yeah, okay. So you, you were a lot like smarter at that than I was. <laughs> like – I went full hardcore, like, yeah. like 
like guys don't understand this because it's all deleted now from YouTube, but it was like mm. girls like totally in love with me and I'm and it's like recorded and put on YouTube for like an hour. Mm. <laughs> like so so I yeah, that that happened basically. And the roots of where I, when I begin to feel this resentment towards pickup, because that was the second phase of my journey, or I guess third right. phase. First was like not knowing shit and just needing to solve pain. The second one was I solved the pain. Then I got really deep into it, into, you know, acquiring more. Then mm. the third phase was actually resenting what I had required or what I had acquired. And it, it started, I remember the roots of it actually, man. Mm. I was in Austin, Texas doing a, a, a coaching ah. program. This is before my, my product came out. We were actually shooting for my first online course, which is not available online at all. I took it off the internet, <laughs> um, but for the fuck boyfriend, we were shooting. And there was this girl I met, really incredible girl, like actually like totally my type. And we were super into each other, but I had filmed the footage of me taking her and her friend home. And, mm-hmm. and like, I had like done all this value talk and like gamed her into really like liking me. I mean, I was, I was attractive and cool, but you know, I was, I didn't need to actually communicate how I was communicating back then. That's just mm-hmm. how I did it. I said a bunch of stuff about me being a YouTuber and implied I was famous. I didn't say I was, but you know, that subtle kind of stuff. Yeah. You kind of know how to do once you meet girls. Yeah. Yep. And, and later she went and we had like, we had sex and stuff and it was like cool. And I really liked her. I was going to come back and see her. And a week later I got a message from her saying, Hey, I YouTube you. And girls just <sighs> never did that before. Like they didn't really again, yeah. but her, her friend actually had, her friend was really skeptical about me. Um, mm. And she found the infield footage of me, of, mm. of me taking her home. And it was, I just like, I told her, Hey, sorry. And I like took it off and her face was blurred and all that. So no one knew it was her, yeah. but at that moment, what I felt was, why is it that it was more like a question? It wasn't even like anger. It was just like utter sadness because I really liked this girl. And it mm. was, why is it that my job and something that I believe I'm passionate about cuts off this other part of my life where I want to be intimate and vulnerable and just be myself with a girl? Why is it mm. that I'm sharing that part of myself with everyone on the internet and like filming it for everyone to see? Mm. And that started this root of like resentment. And I went through and coached more programs for about a year and a half more, actually give or take two years. Cause this was 2018 and I stopped coaching around the, the middle of 2019. But yeah, so I went through coach more life programs and, and the resentment just built and built and built. And then eventually went to clients. I started, my programs were amazing, but I was mm-hmm. really negative and critical of my clients. Like there are moments where I, I, again, I would never put them down cause I respected them as men, but mm-hmm. the act of having to teach them, I didn't respect that anymore. So it was kind of like mm-hmm. it was a weird conflict. I loved being out. I loved meeting girls. And I still do. I love socializing. That's still me, right? Because that's the love yeah. part. But then the part of it with the obsession with I must do this as a, as a thing, as, as an expectation of who I am, that resentment was there. So my clients, I would kind of almost have a negativity. Like, why are you even on this program? You don't need this, man. Why the fuck are you doing this? This is for nerds. Like, it was like this almost this taste of myself. And it was a self-hatred I had. So that happened. And then it went with my mentor into a bunch of stuff on shadow work and work together after. Yeah, go ahead. Go let's, ahead. let's, let's, let's slow down a little bit. I know I'm talking so much. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's great though. You're, you're just spitting gold. So I want to capitalize on that, on um, the, the yeah. resentment part of that. Cause that, that's huge. I've actually run into, I don't think I've necessarily had that personally. I've just kind of shifted mm-hmm. it or whatnot, but mm-hmm. like I've run into a lot of guys who have had that. I've ran into like either other coaches who kind of mm-hmm. had that too re- resentment of their students. Like why the fuck mm-hmm. do you need this dude? Sure. Or I've had, I think I had a couple other coach buddies um, who kind of almost had a similar thing as you, but like a little bit more extreme where they, they were doing like pickup stuff, but they were doing more like manipulative stuff. Like they would like mm. tell, I think one of them like told like, 
the girl, this one girl, I think she was like a ex, he met this like high quality girl. Like she was like a NBA player or something like that. Some beautiful girl, great girl. And he had like told her like, either oh, honestly scary. That's not even high yeah, quality. Right. Right, right, right. For most guys, that is high quality. For most, for most guys, it's like high status. Like, oh, some girl with status. But um, mm-hmm. like she, well, what did he say? He, like, uh, oh, he told her that he had a lot of money in his bank account, like half a million dollars and, and all this stuff to kind of impress her. Um, mm-hmm. And both these coaches, I think, ended up getting married to the girls too. Mm-hmm. And then the girls kind of like, they were kept, kept kind of doing it, but it kind of fell apart. And the manipulate, yeah. they were using a lot of manipulative tactics. Mm-hmm. And then, and then they blamed, they had, they had the resentment, they blamed the game. And I remember they, like, mm-hmm. I came up to visit and they were like pissed at me. They're like, Ricky, why are you teaching this stuff? And they were kind of going through like a very dark period. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. dude, dude, guys, I get it. You're in pain, but like, I'm not necessarily teaching the same stuff you are. Like mm-hmm. I, I get what you're going through, but I, I started realizing that like a lot of people have resentment for that. And maybe you can explain that on a psychological level too. Cause I, I think oh, there sure. is some, there's some like healthy part of it too. Like, I think for me, I, I mean, I've, I definitely have that too, where I get, you know, frustrated with game or pickup or whatever, mm-hmm. but like, I've always realized, well, like you needed to go through that step to get to this step and then just mm-hmm. to modify it or whatnot, where a lot of guys, they, and, and I understand it. I understand where they're coming from too, even when they get mad at it, because mm-hmm. it's like you're evolving. And so you're disassociating yourself from your former self. Like I, sure. I do that with, before I started like getting uh, de- development, like I was very much a people pleaser and a nice guy. So I kind of, mm-hmm. I have resentment toward that. So I understand that, but can you explain that more in psychological terms, why that happens on your journey? Yes, actually the explanation I have is not so much psychological, but it is like more like philosophical. And I I guess part of it is founded in psychology because there's definitely trends on this. But one of my mentors, my mentor says this, Thomas, the guy talked about earlier. One thing he says is this, your capacity for pain and the pain you felt in your life that you've experienced increases your capacity to love. So basically- if you say that one more time, that's huge. Yeah. Your capacity for pain and the pain you've experienced, however uh-huh. great that is, that just increases your capacity to love and to okay. give. It gives okay. you a better chance or a higher chance at giving and loving. Here's the thing. You, from what, I, from what I've talked to you about and what I've heard you speak, you've had a pretty epic journey, man. Like it sounds like mm-hmm. very <laughs> huge ups and very huge lows. And yeah. again, going through what you've dealt with, with mental health and with motivation and with happiness and self-love. And it sounds like you've, I'm just being honest on paper, yeah. I've definitely had more pain than I have. That is not a question mm-hmm. relative to, to each other. Of course, it's the same because pain is pain. Right. Like, you know, a little kid getting their finger burned in a fire is like <laughs> for the kid yeah. hurt just as bad as someone getting shot because it's like a little you know so it's relative but on paper again if we're comparing it you've probably experienced more pain than i have and there's a really important point i'm gonna make mm. i have and I'm, i say this i don't say this a lot but i'll say it here because i i hate saying it but i'll just be <laughs> honest i have not yeah. experienced a lot of pain in my life i had like a great childhood um Everything was given to me. I was not spoiled either. So I had like a perfect balance. We grew up middle. I grew up middle class. I've never dealt with severe rejections from girls. I've never been cheated on. I've never been abused. I've never been suicidal. I've never been on hard drugs. Never been homeless. I've dealt with like, you know, being broke as fuck. And once I had to ask like someone like to give me a free meal or something, but you know, not begging. I was just in the city and didn't have cash. And I'm like, yeah, I was broke. Um, that was the most I've been through. 
So what happens is you need something to anchor to because I didn't have anywhere to really grow from. I didn't come from this low point and experience the lowness and then appreciate what I had on the other side. So for me, it was just like, oh, pick up, let me learn this. And then I got obsessed with it. And I just was like pissed at this because it's not like I came from anywhere, right? It was just, I want a girlfriend. And then I got into this shit. You though, and I don't know you well, but I'll, I'll use you and other people I've you know worked with and people I know who I look up to and clients of mine as well. When you go through experiences that are traumatizing or borderline traumatizing, and there is a difference between like physical trauma, mental trauma, and then um, scars. So those are different things. I have scars from like being a teenager and like girls not liking me, but I do not have any trauma. I have no trauma. Can you, can you break when, this down again? It's, it's what is it? Trauma, yeah, so scars, tra- and what? trauma, trauma is like when, when someone like in your life that you care about yeah. that you have trust with, whether you're, if you're a child, it's usually your parents, or if mm-hmm. it's your, um, if you're like a adolescent and older, um, then it tends to be your friends generally in the circle you grow up with. Basically when you're younger, you care more about what your parents think and they form your view of yourself and who you are as a person. And are you a good person or a bad person? And then when you're a teenager, you're, you're, um, friends and your circle around you form your view of the world and your politics, usually how you view race, how you view things like that. Right. So if you don't experience any trauma from these groups, you're, you're pretty much good to go. Like, like that doesn't mean you won't have issues again, or you won't struggle with depression and things, but if you don't experience like trauma, there's a chance, a significant chance you're going to be okay. But if you experience trauma growing up, like, and this doesn't mean only when you're a child or adolescent, it could also be as an adult. Like, again, if you're, if you get into a severe car accident and go through this crazy journey of having to rehabilitate as an adult, that is, that is physical trauma, right? That counts as trauma. So if you go through those experiences and you come out of them on top, even if the way you came on top wasn't always necessarily ideal, like again, you may started from pickup and you had to grow up and grow out of it, your ability to love where you got to is much more significant than someone who has no trauma. For me, and I'll be really real here, It was just a skill. Like it was just, and again, I did have a need, but the need was not coming from extreme pain and the need to get out of something. It was coming from, I just need something. You see what I mean? The little bit of a difference. It's like zero food and you finally get food. You really appreciate the food versus if you're always eating McDonald's and then you eat pasta and like a really nice restaurant. I think the person who had no food is going to appreciate the pasta more than the person who eats McDonald's and Wendy's all the time. So that was pretty much a similar example, um, parallel, I guess. So that's why the resentment came. It's because I didn't have an appreciation for the journey that I went on, which is in a message Mm -hmm. to your audience, you guys are on this journey with Ricky right now and are struggling or, or doing well. But you have this conflict, as I know, comes up in many students and clients of mine. I'm sure, Ricky, you have these conversations with your your crew. Mm-hmm. When you have these conflict, like, why am I doing this? Why is this necessary? Like, oh, why am I investing money in getting coaching for this? Or why am I reading another one of Ricky's posts? They're all good. But why do I keep coming back to them? Mm-hmm. When that happens, appreciate the fucking journey. Because at a certain point, it's going to be simple. Like, I'm, I'm just being real here. Uh-huh. Like if you're working with people who know what, what they're doing and you're doing your shit right, as I assume most people here are doing, you know, Ricky, you know what you're doing. I know what it was. So we're all doing on the right path, at least. Appreciate the work you're on, you're doing right now. Appreciate the pain because at a certain point, I'm not going to tell you appreciate it because like you're going to be like the best person ever or you're going to be a millionaire. Or you're going to have all the girls in the world. No, no, no. At a certain point, 
it's going to become simple. You're going to get the girlfriend. You're going to get the wife. Statistically, it is going to probably happen for you. And Mm -hmm. once that happens, you need to appreciate where you came from so you can value what you have. It's difficult. And that's where I fucked up. And now I I have it now. Now I love the journey I was on because I I did work on that. But (laughs) yeah, that's fuck. You got me riled up, man. That's a great, great breakdown. <laughs> so, so let's go deeper in. Um, so you, you were working with your coach and you found your purpose is more, you want to meet, meet a girl. Um, and then also let's go into uh, building, live your freedom. Mm, yeah. So, so basically I, yeah, I realized that why I had gotten into this and I begin to accept that. And, and I okay. had to figure out, there was two things, basically from a business standpoint, I had to rebrand because everyone, you know, knew me from pickup. People were asking me for, in-person coaching programs, you know, going out to clubs and bars. And I just, I just didn't feel called to that anymore. Um, I had to figure, I had to figure out a way to, to distance myself from that. And one of the ways was just a name change. That's just a business move. You know, I had to change the name of what I was doing. Um, And then the other part of it was I actually wanted to include in that name, what things were about, like, like what I was teaching, what was, what were the concepts Mm. I was teaching, what was I moving towards. So that's where the name change came from. And most stuff stayed the same. I migrated my audience into a different group. Um, the people who did come, I deleted <laughs> a very large portion of my YouTube videos, which lost me like a thousand five hundred subscribers in like a month or three weeks. That that hurt. That wasn't fun. Um yeah. but I felt better about it afterwards. And then you know I created a new program and I t- I tested a lot of things with my coaching as well. I never really coach people on a major program that I launch unless I test it on at least five to 10 clients. So tested a lot of new psychological stuff that I was working on or that I had learned back in school when I was learning under professors and doing um, like preparing for my thesis and things like that. And then, um, then I launched kind of official programs and just got back into running a business with a new focus on, you know, teaching the stuff that me and you were talking about here. Awesome. 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 Um, so why, and I think we already covered this, but let's just go over it again. If, if we mm-hmm. did, uh, why, why choose the, uh, brand of live your freedom? Cause I love that. But why did you decide to make that choice to, to call it that? Um, the funny thing is I actually don't remember. I don't know where this came from. Um, I, fi- so I made a course called the live your freedom mastermind before the brand Live your freedom was created. And I just okay. think the beginning of the name stuck and it sounded nice. Um, and that was it. I wish I had some epic story about why live your freedom, but it sounded totally and the and the um there was like domains around that that were available. So I looked on GoDaddy gotcha. and, and it was like what uh, live your freedom wasn't available, but life was. So like timlife.com was gotcha. available, and I was like, yeah, let's do that. You're like the answer is it sounded nice, perfect. All I'm right. gonna have to do some soul search <laughs> and find out what was the real deep name like the reason for that (laughs) something better next time (laughs) gotcha so let's jump into a few more topics um i know you teach um uh, let's go into gratitude first let's go Mm -hmm. i I like how you mentioned that and i've been uh starting to teach uh students do that too um any of you that follow me or if you've gotten the book the 12 pillars of being a conscious alpha i have like Mm -hmm. success habits that i do every day um, and one of these things was actually something that helped pull one of many things that helped pull me off the streets was just writing gratitudes down um, in a journal because uh, when you know when you're stuck at the bottom you're like all you're in you're stuck in your what your your animal lizard brain is in survival mode you get into a victim mentality like oh my problems and, and it's valid too because your your reality is reflecting that and so you're like shit like I'm in a bad spot it's all about me 
the problem is, and I want you to expand on this too, um, and hear your points is when you're so focused on yourself, even if you're in a victim mindset and it's valid, right? So maybe right now you're listening and you're like, Oh, I'm horrible with women. I haven't had sex in forever. You know, I don't have a purpose or I don't have the money I want. Um, but it's too focused on yourself, right? The energy is focused inward and that is going to put out a vibe to everything else that actually makes pushes everything away from you. So if it's women in this case, it's actually going to push women away from you. If you're like, Oh, poor me, I haven't got laid for a bit. Girls don't like me. Why me? And, and those are all very valid things to, you know, that is understandable. And that's why mm -hmm. guys like me and Tim are here to help you with that. But if you're stuck with that in that mindset, I, I remember I had one student and like he was getting better with um with women and whatnot like i would actually see the results i was like dude good job and i was like always uh giving like high fives and shit but he was still like he hadn't gotten laid yet and it had been a while and so he had that thought loop stuck in his head well why am i not getting laid yet why am i like i'm getting phone numbers but why am i not getting laid yet and I'm like dude like you couldn't give phone numbers a month or two ago like this is really good like celebrate this and he's like no i'm happy but why am i not it was very like ego based and so yeah. I remember I had to work with him and I was like, dude, I will get you laid, but you got to make me a promise. You can't ask yourself, why am I not getting laid anymore? Because mm -hmm. that thought loop is cock blocking all the work we're doing. Like you can't, mm -hmm. you can't beat a self-sabotaging uh, thought loop that's stuck in your head because otherwise if that's stuck in there, it's your reality is always going to validate that. Find some way to yeah. validate that. Um, yeah. So let's get into that. What is your view on, on gratitude and how that helps men get the relationships they want? Yeah, dude, that was so good, man. I, I, I know about clients like that, trust me. Yeah. And they're always there. Those are always the guys that at the end of the, the work you do, you just feel the most like happy that they're finally yeah. there. Like you're like, dude. And, and once <laughs> they realize, you know, once we, you unpack the whole program and you're like, look at where you are now. And you're right. like, oh, yeah, I should have been more grateful. And it's kind of like this mix of like, ha, I told you so. And this just <laughs> love of your client for seeing him evolve. I, 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 I know that so much, man. Here, here's the thing about gratitude. I, I think that um, it's such an interesting concept. And I think the way that many people see gratitude is, is in a wrong light. I think that we don't take it seriously as people enough. And here's why. I think, well, people see gratitude as an act of just like, it's kind of, we take it like, just be grateful, right? Just think of the good things you have. <laughs> things that are good and, and be grateful for them. But to me, this is, this is what gratitude means to me. And this is not any factual. I like to separate, you know, fact from, you know, my opinions from, from science and all that stuff. So I'm going to get into actual, some actual science in a second, but okay. just my opinion of what I think gratitude is and how I see it is it's an, it's an unconditional awareness and acceptance on all of the things you have in your life that allow you to exist as you presently are. Mm. To me, that's what gratitude is. And it's, okay. it's being aware of and accepting, not just awareness, but you know, accepting that you have things. And I mean, anything like a, a bed or your mom or your dog or AirPods, anything in your life that allows you to exist exactly how you are now. To me, that's what I like to, to see gratitude as. Mm. The reason why I stress gratitude. So when I do, when I work with clients, I tell them, and I say this in like my free shit too. I say this everywhere. One of the first things I have people do is form a regular gratitude practice, a meditation yes. yep. where you sit. Yeah. Where you sit and you actively 
promote gratitude as a forefront in your head, in your, in your thoughts and in the way you, you see the world. Mm-hmm. Here's why that's so important. So I'm going to get a bit dense here. Ricky, okay. the moment you want to ask a question about this, <laughs> please stop me because I tend to, most of the time when I talk to people, they're just like listening. They're not engaging with me. <laughs> so right. tell me when, when you want to unpack this deeper, when I should, you know. I got you, man. Go you, you, okay. just, you just go on your flow. <laughs> <laughs> so, ba- so basically, here's the thing. Human beings, we have two ways of interacting with the world. There's basically unconscious behaviors and thought patterns, and then you have conscious behaviors and thought patterns. And, you know, you hear that a lot in spirituality, like being unconscious or higher consciousness, but there's a a deeper level to it that's actually based on how your brain works. So your brain is a a tool that is hardwired for you to survive. Your brain keeps you alive. Um, and physically, like biologically, your brain actually does keep you alive. But then also in the real world, your brain keeps you alive. Your brain is trying to always assess how dangerous is the situation and how do I have to respond to it? How do I have to react to keep the body I'm in alive and not dying, right? So what happens is when you go out into an environment, let's take something like approach anxiety, right? When you go out into an environment and you see, an, let's say, an attractive girl, you're not even going out to try to meet anyone, but I don't know, let's make up a situation. You're going to work pre-COVID when we could actually go to our jobs <laughs> and, and, and you see the, it's your first day at work and you see this cute brunette secretary that you're like, oh my goodness, Ricky told me I had to meet four new girls this week. Ah, she's one of the ones I have to talk to, right? So that goes through your head. What's the instant feeling? We all know it. The feeling in the pit of your stomach, that feeling of anxiety. Why is that there? Because what your brain is doing is it's telling you this situation is not safe. Something bad is going to happen to you if you do the wrong thing. What's really funny about this is that this kind of thinking or this thought pattern, this biological response does not help you in any way, which I'm sure you know, we all know this. It doesn't help you in any way. It comes from a history of actually helping you back in the 1800s or the 1700s or early on. This is how the brain was, you know, even earlier than that, when our brain started to evolve, you have to survive. If Mm -hmm. there's a situation that makes you uncomfortable back in fucking caveman days, and I don't like referring to caveman days so much because there isn't so much research on it, but from what we know about how the brain has evolved in the earliest formations of our current like cortexes and processes in our brain, your brain is teaching, it's just, it's a remnant, like mm-hmm. this feels unsafe and weird, you're going to die. So you should feel fight or flight, which tells you run or avoid, <laughs> or that's the same thing, so run or fight, right? Avoid or fight. What's happening though is now in the 21st century, are you going to die if you see a girl? No, you're not. But so the only thing your brain has to work on is the conditioning that you're going to be socially ostracized. And where does that come from? You're going to be alienated from the group because if you talk to a girl and she's like, no, now your, your value goes down as a man. And again, what does your brain say? You're going to be alienated from the group. You're not going to be able to have kids. There's just this whole train of biology that follows. This is what we call the unconscious. And it doesn't help you to be unconscious because when you are unconscious, you are reacting to things around you because you're trying to survive and survival does not help you win. Like we're just, you know, we're all men here on the campfire or maybe a couple women thrown in there too. We are, we are all trying to survive or we, we, you do not need to survive, but your brain is telling you, you must survive. Then you have this other part of the brain, which is the conscious and the conscious are learned traits. These are things that you learn how to do that help you win because you can control them. So something like love, let's say, learning how to be a loving, 
caring man. That is something you have to learn how to actively do. Some things you learn how to do that are hardwired into you and have been repressed. For example, being like primal and like roaring during sex. It's pretty like natural to actually do that. Once you block it. But you're, you know, you're conditioned not to, because what is she going to think? Maybe this is not normal. That yeah. laugh is like a, I roar during sex laugh. Oh shit. Okay. Ricky. Um, so, so that's, so like learning certain behaviors that are conscious is, is helpful because it helps you win. So examples of conscious behaviors, being loving, right? Communicating at a high level. I'll specifically talk about men, like tapping into being dominant and caring, like learning how to care about your circle and the brotherhood that you have around you. Those are things that you have to learn and train yourself to do because they're not, they're not hardwired into you either through society and through societal evolution or through um, your own biology. Again, there's different studies on this. Some people say that they are more, some people say it's more nature versus nurture, but you know, give or take either way, whatever perspective you come from, you have to learn these things and practice them. Right. Right. What going back to gratitude. Now, I don't want to go on too much. I want to get to the point. Gratitude is the best way to train your brain to always be conscious. Gratitude is essentially Mm. the root of consciousness because gratitude is something you have to decide to do because it becomes clouded oftentimes, right? I'll give you an yeah. example with my wife or anyone who's like married or in a relationship where you know you have one or two girlfriends, however you do it. I've had all ranges of the spectrum and now I'm married. So me and her, if we have some kind of conflict, let's say, I don't know, I'm trying to work and I'm sitting here doing a podcast with Ricky and my wife comes home and she like wants me to spend time with her, right? Making mm-hmm. up a situation. I have two ways I could respond to that. I could either respond through unconscious, which is mad. Why are you doing this? I don't understand why you're doing this. Like, what? Like, oh no, babe, right now I'm, I'm fucking talking to Ricky. I can't, I can't do this right now. Come on. Right. Like, you're, why'd you have to, okay, that, that's unconscious. Then you have conscious, which is how can I respond in a way that's going to be a win for both of us? I have to also, right? As a man, I, I can't sacrifice that because I got to work and I have to provide for my, for my family and my life and connect with people in, in my circle, like you and things like that. Mm-hmm. But then there's also a part of it where I have to show her love. So how do I get this? If I haven't practiced this, for me, it comes naturally now. But where's the root? How do I get to practice this? Be grateful. Be grateful for just her. So instead of the instant reaction being, I have to react to how she responded, just if you are always in gratitude or you're practicing gratitude and training yourself to be conscious like a muscle, now when situations happen that cause you stress, going back to that fight or flight, your brain's trained. Oh yeah. Whenever I'm in stress, I'm just super grateful for everything. So now I can interact with the people around me without fear or I'll have fear because fear is, is latent. You can't get rid of it. I, at least from what I've seen, fear never really goes away, but your response to it can change. So mm-hmm. she comes in instead of me being pissed off or maybe I will be pissed off, but I'll communicate in a way that doesn't exhibit that through consciousness because of gratitude practice and training myself in consciousness through gratitude. That is, that's huge. That's huge. It's funny. I've, I've never, like, I understood that the concept of gratitude is important, but that it actually promotes you to think consciously. And it's true. Yeah. Cause it, it forces you to, and I like that. Um, you can go like on a little bit of a side tangent here about the, the dominance versus being loving. And I think it's funny that you, uh, you named one of your first, uh, uh, companies, uh, Viking lifestyle. Cause I, I love that show Vikings. I think that, um, Oh my God, dude, they, I'm waiting for final half of season I, six. Me of- too. Me too. I, I think what, why that show is so great. And I, I like the, I kind of feel like I have some Viking roots in me too. Um, cause I, <laughs> dude, I just resonate with that show. Like, I feel like, Oh my God, this is like my past life or something. But, uh, 
what I liked about the, their culture, because you talk about caveman times and stuff like that, but I like, I usually take the metaphor like Viking times. And what I liked about their culture is they kind of had that balance. You know, they were, they, they, they were able to have freedom individual. Like I've never seen a community where you had the most freedom individually, but you also helped the tribe. And I think they had the, a good balance of that, of like the dominant, the dominant character characteristics, right? Cause you had to go to war, you had to defend your tribe. Sometimes you had to go raid other tribes, but then within yeah. your community, you had to show love. And what's cool too, is like, sometimes like your best friend would become your enemy or your enemy would become your best friend. And you guys had to work to, to live together because even though they were advanced, they were still like in savage times where you had to yeah. band together to survive. So it was like important. And so mm-hmm. that's why I love that show. It's, it's really easy for me to teach from that. Cause it's like, you can go watch that and see that. And plus too, like one of the major themes um, that I'm getting into with teaching guys uh, with being a conscious alpha is I use the, I don't know if you've read the book by Robert, uh, I think it's Robert Moore, King, Warrior, Lover, and Magician. Have you, have you read I that know, book? I know the book and students have suggested it. I never looked at you it. Would, you would love it, especially since you love psychology. It's great because it goes yeah. into, it also goes into the shadow side. So it takes those, really? those, okay. four, those four modalities. So a lot mm-hmm. of times I try to help guys that are like nice guys or people pleasers. And part mm-hmm. of it is changing their self image of them. Cause if you don't have a good right. self image of yourself, it doesn't matter how much gra- like, well, it doesn't matter how much like affirmations or like positivity. If you don't have that, mm-hmm. that core belief, it's not going to stick. Um, For sure. And so like, I think the, I feel the, the King board magician lover, it, it's mm-hmm. actually characteristics we all have as men. Um, mm-hmm. mo- most of us are familiar with the warrior is like the hustle mentality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then there's also the King, the lover, which is the lighter side, which I kind of want to mm-hmm. get into uh, with you about uh, show teaching yourself how to be loving. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's the, the mystic. And I think that show really encapsulates it a lot too. Like, one of my favorite things is to explore the mystic side. And I like that show how mm-hmm. they, they had the town mystic, right? Like the Kings always went to the, the mystics for answers right. and shit like that. Right. And that's kind of lost in our society now, but it, it's very relevant, you know? And if you get into things like meditation oh, for sure. and stuff like that, you, you see mm-hmm. like how you have those parts too. Um, so that show- Can, that, can I actually ask you something? What yeah, are the qualities, ahead. what are like maybe two or three of the, the character qualities in that show that you- yeah throw at your students as things that they could maybe add on to their tools as men in this world? Yeah. So I, I've done programs and I'm starting a membership site pretty soon too, where I'm going to be doing exercises. Nice. But on one of the programs I, I was, I was doing it before I did it one in Seattle. It's called the initiation program because I feel like okay. men, we don't have a right of, of passage anymore unless you're like in a mm. gang or something like that. But um, that book goes into how important that really is for men. You know, that, that kills mm. off the boy psychology and helps you become a man. Um, so the yeah, two week initiation, you. it's, it's kind of game immersion as well too. Like we go out at mm-hmm. night, but, um, so I, I do that. I, I would break down the days of like Monday would be, it's a two week process. And so like Monday would be King day. So we would mm-hmm. actually like embody characteristics of being a King and a King is an organizer, right? He, he yeah. takes, um, his domain mm-hmm. is, what is that? Um, it's not, uh, there's a word for it. Jordan Peterson talks about it too. The King kind of it organizes, um, he takes chaos and turns it into, I can't think of the word, but like not chaos. So like mm-hmm. outside the king, outside the castle walls is all chaos, you know, and mm-hmm. Jordan Peterson uh, has a lot of good speeches about talking about the Lion King, you know, past this domain is chaos. So if you want to stay in mm-hmm. the kingdom, that's the, the king's domain. So I, I would teach mm-hmm. guys like, look, this is your domain, you know, like how, yes. how are people treating you? Like, how are you walking? A lot of it is setting boundaries, like being Amazing. comfortable setting boundaries. So if you're a nice mm-hmm. guy, 
a lot of the problems, issues you're having is you're not setting boundaries with people, you know, and, mm. and learning how to balance respect. Um, and, and in that book, you, you'll probably like it too, because it goes into the shadow side of that as well. Um, mm-hmm. Of like the negative That's side, great. where you, where you get great. the ty- you get the tyrant king, right? Because a lot of guys yeah. think, you know, and I'm, I'm big on promoting self-empowerment for men and, and, and helping men become powerful, but they, sure. they, confuse, they confuse power with like tyranny where it's dominance mm. over people. I have to control people. Well, really, yes. it's the, the opposite. And that's kind of coming from love as well is you mm-hmm. dominate yourself, you dominate your mind, and mm. then people respond accordingly to that. And if they don't, then they have to be removed from your kingdom, right? For sure. So yeah, it's giving it's giving guys that sense of pride. The warrior is more um, an aggressive trait and they kind of go into a lot of the world has been destroyed from the warrior shadow side, but mm. it's a, it's a natural, um, it's a, just a modality we have. There's no kind of getting rid of it. And so like, even if sure. people like feminists or anything want to like chastise men for having that, well, mm-hmm. for them to do that, they have to tap into their warrior. So it's like, yes. it's like, it's a natural element. And so it's like, you have to almost learn to work with it and focus mm-hmm. it in a, in a positive way instead of like um chastising it or like brown beating it or being like we can't do that right it's just like that no that it's part of it so how do we make this a positive positive thing um then there's the mystic which which is like tapping into like even scientists can be tapping into their mystic it's people it's the search for knowledge right or going into the unknown and and finding that elixir and whatnot um Mm. a lot of spiritual teachers kind of embody that for me uh like osho he's like one of my favorite spiritual teachers um and then the lover that's like the ca- casanova and um uh the, the artist I, I would say that like the artist who who sees the beauty yeah. of life and it's more feminine i would say the mystic mm-hmm. and the um mystic and the lover are more feminine and so that's that's a huge thing with guys too is um yeah. getting them i think a lot of guys usually when they first come they they need help establishing those dominant qualities but like for sure. me I, I almost have to like leaning into my edge, right? Living dangerously mm-hmm. and leaning into my edge are like huge themes that I teach. Um, but like for me, sometimes I leaning into my living edge, dangerously. that's great. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's almost going away from the the dominant area. It's kind of like what you talked about before. With um, once you've established a certain level of it, your brain doesn't need to do that as much because you're competent in that, right? So you have yes. to go to the yeah. other side. So like for me, it, it's kind of which we'll dive into soon is like doing shadow work or getting mm-hmm. um, comfortable with feminine sides and, and shit like that, um, mm-hmm. which is like uncomfortable, right? Cause that's not macho or that's not like necessarily considered manly or whatnot, but sure, you actually, sure. if you integrate those sides of you, you become a more well-rounded person, which makes right. you more attractive. It makes you able to relate to women more when you communicate with women, you can understand them, but you're, you're standing your masculine, but you understand the feminine side. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's just a whole bunch of benefits to it. So yeah, yeah, for sure. That's great. Constant uh, self-exploration for myself and, and for the guys I work with. Um, That's amazing yeah. stuff, man. I love to hear it. Yeah. So let's go into, uh, let's go into the shadow work. Uh, Cause mm. I know you're, you're studying that and um, what, what got you into studying that? And then what are some of your favorite things to help guys with? Like what do most guys struggle with, with their shadow work? Yeah. So so I, I don't even know how I got into it. I mean, Tom was working with me on some things about self-acceptance and about okay. um, self, like self-love and things like that. And then this year I've ha- I have a business coach and he's my 
like main mentor right now and his name is caleb saw shout out to him mm. I'm, I'm giving so many shout outs i'm like a dj on like the radio <laughs> um now caleb's he's he's freaking great and um he actually has helped me clear a lot of a lot of things now which i'll actually be super open about and share them here okay. um but so i don't i don't really know when i i started um to to really know and say like this is what i want to model my teaching after but basically i i got back into psychology and once okay. I started to love like dating and communication again, and I stopped hating it because I had gone through this journey of self-acceptance. And part of this is I started looking up teachings by the psychologist, Carl Jung, or a psychiatrist, a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and stuff that he was talking about. And he has some really interesting, some really interesting yeah. work, like man's search for a soul and, and things like that. And, and I looked into the beliefs he had. And again, all of them, psychology is a very interesting thing because at a certain point, there's like basic psychology, right? Which is prescribing medications. If people have like skewed dopamine levels or serotonin, all those things, just mm-hmm. prescribing medication. But then you have a certain point where you publish works and you actually make, try to make an imprint on the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where you get more into philosophy because okay. <laughs> no one in psychology at a certain point really knows what's going on because we couldn't see how people evolved. Like mm-hmm. if you could see just like watch evolution, then, mm-hmm. then you would understand, we would understand more, but all we can do is take hints from the past, gotcha. um, in terms of our own biology and, and physiology, things like that. But basically one of the things that he talks about is the concept of the shadow and, and him and Freud actually tended to disagree on a lot of things. So that's what I mean when I say a lot of it is very, it gets philosophical at a certain point. How do you want mm-hmm. to interpret behavior and the workings of the brain? Mm-hmm. Um, and basically shadow work in Carl Jung, I'm not going to talk about how he teaches it because what I take is kind of from what he teaches with what I've experienced in my own life. The okay. way I teach it is this, and, and I don't teach people shadow work. So I want to be clear on that. Okay. I'm in no way qualified to just like teach someone shadow work. <laughs> it is, it's a journey that you have to go on within yourself. But what I do and how I coach people is I use a lot of the methods and steps that are taken in this journey of shadow work to help people get to a place where they can live more on their terms. So they, they do 70% of it. I'm doing about 30% just by showing and guiding. And then of course on the program, when it comes to exercises and direction and steps to take, that's like me doing about 80%, but you know, the journey of just acceptance and things that that's most, mostly on them, but here's what it is. Basically your shadow is all the parts of you that you don't like that you are not happy with. That's mm-hmm. the simplest version of it. It's the parts of you that are everything from the darkest, like I'm being real, even a thought about like, I, I wish I could kill that person. Like just a right. fr- fraction thought. I'm sure we've all had that in a moment. Something that even surprised us that was dark. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little thing we looked at or I'm being real, like something yeah. we got turned on by that we didn't like to be turned on by. That was like, mm-hmm. oh, no, that didn't happen. Right. That's, that's your shadow. And then yeah. it goes all the way from there, all the way to kind of center, which are things that, you know, are not the best about you. Like, you eat too many Cheetos or you wish you didn't eat pizza or you want to stop smoking the things that you just hate or me being in pickup. And I'll explain how this, this journey was for me. Okay. You have that part. And, and what happens is people, we tend to either not be aware of our shadow at all Mm. and just operate completely in unconsciousness. So being in unconsciousness, a lot of times means that your shadow is pretty much controlling you. You're, you're not aware of how you should act to get the result that you want to have in life. Yeah. Um, and, and people are usually not aware of it. Or that, what that's, happens that's, people- that's huge, by mm-hmm. the way. Like, I, I think yeah. that's, I, and I think that's good that we're talking about this is 
like you said, if a lot of guys aren't aware of it and mm-hmm. the big thing with the shadow is it's not, me- it doesn't want to be seen, right? It doesn't want to mm-hmm. be seen. Luckily, yes, like we've correct. done research on it, but, mm-hmm. and the problem is, is it's operating. Like it's actually running you, it's influencing you. So if you're, mm-hmm. if you're listening to this and wondering like, well, I've, you know, and this with a lot of people, maybe you've been in this self-development space for a bit or you bought mm-hmm. products, but things aren't sticking. And I know this for myself, mm-hmm. even recently, I've done a lot of shadow work is if things aren't working out, that means that there's probably a lot of shadow work or uh, stuff in there that's blocking you from that. Because part of you deep down, and this doesn't make Mm. sense until you kind of realize it, but deep down part of you doesn't want you to succeed or get what you want. And this could even be with like women or whatnot is like part of you is like, well, I want to have a girlfriend, but maybe there's a part of your shadow side where you got, you have a trauma there, right? You Mm. you were betrayed or you were were cheated on, right? That's a huge thing for guys. For sure. that's sometimes why guys go through like the jaded player phase. And I, I know I went through that for a bit too. It's not, a, it's, mm. I tell guys it's go through it, but you're going to realize you go through it to realize it's not worth st- staying there because you're, you're just going to attract right. a- assholes and other like bitchy women to you because you're in a bad yeah. place. But the point is to show like you need to, to heal that and let that go to actually mm. get what you want. So a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and the steps to this specifically, as far as like, the psychology behind it is your, your, again, your unconscious a lot of times resides in your shadow, right? You're, you're reacting yeah. to things and, and you're not, and you're not aware of it. So there's two parts. Most people are not aware of it. Or the other thing is if they are, which is what you said just now, if they mm-hmm. are aware of it, they try to distance themselves from it and pretend mm. that it's not there. So they hide it. Right. So what does this look like? Like, dude, I'm sure right now with what you're doing and the work you've done, if you go out to a bar or club, again, pre-COVID, <laughs> those <laughs> things were around. Right. Um, if you go out like and socialize in something, you can probably look and in a couple seconds, pinpoint the guys that are just on point, just chilling with their woman versus yeah. the guys that are trying to get with a girl and hoping they get lucky tonight. You mm-hmm. can see that. And usually where it comes across is the guy who's trying to get lucky with the girl who's honestly, I'm being real, a lot of times someone who would probably be able to use your services and probably actually could learn a lot from you or myself, Mm -hmm. you can see that they're trying to avoid looking like that, right? Like they're trying Mm -hmm. to look casual and things like that. So that guy in that moment, just in that fraction of moment, he's conscious of how he feels. He's like very aware of it. And he's trying to to avoid it. Mm -hmm. In the, the purpose of shadow work is to do a couple things. Number one is to become extremely aware of your shadow and Mm -hmm. not want to run away from it, but instead detach from it, holding you down and controlling how you act. That's what's important. It's not necessarily saying this thing doesn't exist. Let me clear this and pretend it's, it's not, they're actually in therapy. There's versions of therapy that try to do this. I think it's, what's the therapy? Um, Cognitive behavioral therapy. It's a certain, It's under that, but where they like flash images and things like that. There's okay. also EMT, electromagnetic therapy. There's like different kinds where, where basically they try to make you repress the memories by associating them with different images once you think of them. And, and some of that has been shown to work for some people and some of it hasn't. What I found for people who don't actually have deeply significant trauma, and, and I don't, again, I'm not a psychologist. I have to say that on this just to mm-hmm. be ethical. I'm not helping people like clear severe trauma or, you know, things like that, but I do help people, you know, perform better. So um, going back to this, what the goal is, is not to say that those things don't exist and that they don't, and that they're not there. Cause they, they are there, man. Like mm-hmm. the pain I have from my ex 
making out with a guy at a work on office party. This is a real thing that happened to me in mm. 2017. Like the pain I have from that, that was like real pain. That's, mm. that's, that's going to be there. And always in my relationship, there's going to be a fractional thought that some guy who looks better than me might like hit on my girl and she might like him for a second. Mm. I'm not, I'm not going to deny that that it would not be there. I'm just going to be super honest about that. Yeah. However, because of the shadow work journey, that does not have to control your behavior, which mm-hmm. thus means that when you are with your woman or me with my girl, I don't have any problem with her going out and partying with her girlfriends. Now, again, the kind of girl I chose, she does not do that basically <laughs> ever because I, I don't like girls who would want to do that in a relationship with me. Same as me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going out with the boys every night and meeting girls either. Right. Mm-hmm. But it, whenever she does, if there's a friend who wants to go for a drink, I'm fine with it. Whereas maybe when I was younger, I wouldn't be because of that shadow. So the journey of shadow work is becoming aware of this. It's understanding that it doesn't have to actually control you, clearing it. And then in shadow work, there's basically something called detachment. And this is the the beginning of the process, what I teach people. And, and this is not me making it up. There's like, like, this is the process in psychology. There's two kinds of detachments. You detach from the expectations of other people. And you have to learn to detach from your environment. And those are the two most important things you can do for yourself in shadow work. For me, on my journey with pickup, it was learning how to detach from the expectation that I have to be a pickup coach and have to act like a pickup coach, right? Where I have to be high value, where I have to show guys that I can get girls. Because what happened is the mode that I was always in when I was around clients or just people who knew who I was is, Yep. Don't forget. I'm good with girls. Watch. Like I can show you something really cool. Learning how to detach from that expectation. That was the beginning of the shadow work process. And once I abandoned the expectation of having to fulfill this shadow, then I began to love my past and love my journey. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, this doesn't hold me down. This is just a bunch of shit that I did to get to where I am now. Now I can love it, but the parts of it that I don't like and that I hate, which was actually manifesting in me having to fulfill that expectation, that's where it came up and was evident. Now that doesn't control me. I don't have to do that anymore. And then I moved into, you know, being more loving man, actually loving my clients more, things like that. And I have, I have another example I could give on this currently, but I'll okay. throw it back to you. I'm curious what you think. That, no, that's, that's huge. I think that's, uh, <laughs> it's a lot to unpack, but I, I think... One thing too, um, and I, I like how you shared your experience of the the fear of your girl, your girlfriend making out, or, or how that was a wound. But yeah, also, yeah. Um, and I think this goes into like a, a deeper topic of masculinity in general for men is is mm-hmm. ownership. Is ownership, um, and I think mm-hmm. own, owning it is huge too. And I think at the beginning, mm-hmm. like what would stop guys is you're like, well, I don't want to admit that because that is admitting a weakness and weakness is frowned upon, right? As men, mm-hmm. we have to be strong. We have to be the James Bond character type and not have any weaknesses. Cause once someone sees a weakness, like it's done, you're over. So I, yes. I like the yeah, fact, yeah. but the problem with that and the problem with the shadow is if you do that, the shadow still runs you, right? The shadow doesn't mm-hmm. want you to appear weak. Because then mm-hmm. you're revealing it. Whereas mm-hmm. I like how you how you shared is like, look, yeah, if my girl like I do have a thought where my girl uh, may be attracted to a dude, and that does kind of freak me out on, on a level. Mm-hmm. And that that's mm-hmm. actually the strength, like being. I guess that would be you're being vulnerable, but the fact that you're being mm-hmm. vulnerable is actually the true strength because now what that's is, not controlling you, right? Yeah. What it is, is that is detaching from the expectation, right? So gotcha. the expectation for most, that's why it's the first step. That's okay. why that needs to happen before anything else. Okay. The expectation 
is what as, as a man? It's like you have to appear confident, you have to appear strong, you have to fulfill these set of you know beliefs and values, or else you're not performing you know the way you're supposed to or whatever like that. Yeah. And maybe by the way, and here's now here's where where the detachment comes in. Why? Because maybe if you don't do that, there will be judgment from other people. Right. But if you detach from other people's expectations and you're no longer trying to fulfill them, now you're on the steps to actually clearing that and being able to be vulnerable, which actually is a highly attractive trait. Oh, that's right. a huge psychological thing, by the way. Yeah. Psychology actually backs this. It's, dude, I'm about to nerd out on you, Ricky. <laughs> I'm about to like, <laughs> let me say this really quick. Yeah, let's get it, man. The, the best way, okay. <laughs> so like building trust with someone. I had a client and we were talking about his relationships and things like that. He's, he's in a, he just got into a relationship and he just wants to become closer to her and, you know, be a, just a better man and keep crushing his, his, his path and things like that. And one of the things that he asked me is he was like, Tim, I want to build trust with my girl. So like, I want to make her really trust me and see me as this, you know, like attractive, dominant guy that she really just trusts and falls for. And I was like, that's fucking beautiful. That's amazing, man. And she definitely wants that as well, probably. And what he was, what he was going to do is he said, the way I'll do it is, you know, say more things like I love you and things like that to her, or, or I'll tell her me, or I'll find out kind of, um, about things about her that like she hasn't told many people. Mm. Um, and I, I just asked him two questions. I said, that's not, that's not bad. That's, that's okay. But do you think that let's say the things she's going to tell you are things that she's probably told like some of her closest friends. And he was like, I mean, yeah, maybe one or two of her friends. I said, okay, so what's the difference between them and you? If she's told that to her friends and she's going to tell it to you, but you want her to trust you more than she would trust a close friend. I don't think that on the scale of, you know, what has more value in her mind is I trust this person. Her telling you something she told her girlfriend is, is actually building more trust with you than that other person. And you want to have more trust with her than her girlfriend. And he was like, yeah, well, that makes sense. So he said, what it is, it's two things. Number one, you have to be able to open her up sexually because people, we build trust with other people when we have vulnerable moments of intimacy. And intimacy has a wide range, by the way. It doesn't just mean sex. Intimacy can happen among friends too. And I'll, I'll give a really brief story about that with me. But basically you have to have an intimate moment. You have to have intimate moments with her where you show her that you're able to handle that intimacy and you are there for her in the intimacy, right? Mm -hmm. And then the second part of that is you have to become vulnerable and you have to share with her parts of you mm. because that's how you build trust with someone. It's a combination of the two. So it's intimacy and yeah. then being vulnerable. So I'll, I'll give you a really brief example. One of my close friends, I was doing a program in Vegas. It was like a, you know, one of the coaching programs. I was mm -hmm. doing this in 2018 or 2019 it was. And he's like one of my best friends, but our, our friendship was like great before. But what happened is we were, long story short, we did drugs and <laughs> He, he passed out. He passed out in Vegas. Mm -hmm. And I, I had known this guy for about maybe eight months. And we grew really close during that time. But, you know, it was just like any other really close friend. Mm -hmm. And he passed out. And it was this, one of the scariest nights of my life. Like even mm -hmm. thinking about it, I almost kind of want to tear up. Because it was almost, it was kind of my fault, by the way. Because I was telling mm -hmm. him, like, you drink more. Let's party more. Like, let's go have fun. And he, I didn't know that he had a condition where he couldn't handle it. He didn't speak up and he passed out, had a seizure. Mm, um, wow. And he was okay. He was okay. He, he yeah. went back to a hotel room. This is Vegas. So he went back to like a nearby hotel. He was staying and I left my program early and me and him went and I laid on the side of his bed or like on the foot of his bed. Just, he was like awake. We were talking and we talked till like 6am and mm. I just like fell asleep on the foot of his bed. Mm -hmm. um, while, you know, he just like, whatever. It wasn't like we weren't cuddling or anything, but you know, we, it was, that, that's what happened. 
And that moment that we experienced together mm. of just us being with him in such a vulnerable position, being at his worst, me sharing in that pain with him built so much unbelievable deep trust. And we talked about this later. It built so much unbelievable deep trust between us mm. from, compared to friends that I had for like two, three, four, five years. Mm-hmm. Just that moment. Yeah. Intimacy and vulnerability. That's yeah. how you build trust with people. That, that's crazy. That's such a good point too. And, and I'd probably say like, you probably, I don't know, I could be wrong that you probably didn't have those connections with your friends, your other friends that you've had mm-hmm. longer, those deeper things. Cause sometimes we've had a lot of friends or people we've known for a while, but it's never right. gone. There's no depth to it. Right. When, mm-hmm. and then when, when you do have those moments, those, that depth to it, uh, that's actually what, what builds bonds. Right. And that's what relationships yes. are all about, yes. about creating that bond. Um, I was talking about that with a buddy of mine too. And uh, it, like how vulnerable, like on the subject of vulnerability, how actually mm-hmm. being vulnerable, because a lot of people, even with, um, with women, guys want to, you know, be the James Bond type where it's like, they, they want to look per- like perfection. And I, and I still struggle with this mm-hmm. too. Cause like part of me is I'm a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, I gotta look good. Mm-hmm. Right. Or even for like students or content, it's gotta be perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. And sure, sure. But, what, but what you realize is actually people like it when they can see that you're real. Right. Being real mm-hmm. is huge. Like that authenticity um, and, and being intimate, like putting yourself out there and showing those sides of you. And, and I think part of it, too, is learning to accept that. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to get into that uh, mm-hmm. in a second here is uh, guys that uh, building um, dom- or how you've worked with your clients, building dominant qualities with men and then mm-hmm. teaching them to be loving too. Cause I, I think that's a cool duality. Like you kind of need both to, to be overwhelmed Um But yeah, I think yeah. at the beginning of the journey, usually guys are a little too sheepish, right? They have like nice mm-hmm. guy syndrome mm-hmm. or people pleasing. So they, they immediately want to gravitate mm-hmm. toward the dominant qualities. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's important to learn. But at the same time too, you got to learn, that you, you can't be on all the time too. Uh, I was telling you guys, it's kind of mm. like a spectrum. Like, like we're kind of like the hero and the loser at the same time, right? And you sure. oscillate you sure. like between the two. And mm-hmm. I think it's like, you want to be, your default is probably in the middle where you make, you mm-hmm. fuck up, you make dumb mistakes, you trip over your words, you do stuff. But on, on default, like, like I'm doing now, <laughs> on default, you mm-hmm. actually, no, you, you have the hero, you have that hero in you, right? And mm-hmm, so it's like, mm-hmm. you can't, and, and I've, I've tried to do that too, where it's like, you live up to the self image and that, that will crush you as well. So, but on default, yeah. you're kind of in the middle between your, and you learn to accept the sides of you that you maybe can't get rid of or that you like maybe mm-hmm. Cause I, I'm, I'm a huge ass nerd. Right. But mm-hmm. I enjoy that side of me and I, I don't have any judgment toward it. It's like, uh, it actually connects to your, um, the thing of expectations that kind of falls into mm-hmm. place too, mm-hmm. is uh, yeah. letting go of the society expectations. So someone can make fun of you about that. Let's say if you are a nerd, but the fact that you've accepted that and integrated that, even if someone made a joke about it, it would, it's kind of like a, a water on duck's back, right? It has no effect on you where you're like, yep, I guess I am versus the guy who hasn't or, or hides it. Right. He's like, Oh, I don't mm. want people to see that side of me because yeah. uh, then they'll make fun of me and then girls won't think I'm cool. And then I won't get right. what I need. I won't get the love, money, sex, whatever I'm going after. Mm. And so you hide mm-hmm. it. So if someone goes, well, you're a nerd. Oh no, mm-hmm. I've been seen. I've been found out. Right. Yeah. Versus, Dude. And I think that's, that's crazy. Yeah. No, keep I, going. I think that's huge. What you were saying too, that that was like a big um, gold nugget for me is letting go yeah. of those expectations. I think that is huge of letting go of societies. And that's a huge thing. I think with the development is, 
removing society's expectations and then putting your mm-hmm. own um, preferences in play, like creating your sure, own core, sure. core values. I guess you're, you're replacing it with core values. So yeah, yeah dude, that's huge. That's, that's so, that's so deep. And I'm, I'll give you guys uh, an example of how I was dealing with this recently and kind of okay. still now with my mentor, Caleb, and he, he's great. This dude's like, fucking legend he's from new zealand so he has this like, funny accent and i would get confused sometimes in our sessions because like what did you just say and <laughs> knows that english but i love the guy basically so so i, I think one thing and ricky i'm sure you would want your audience to hear this something okay. that i want you guys listening to understand is that you read the content from guys like ricky or you know people who may check out my stuff you read my my stuff and I think we tend to look at the people who are doing stuff that we want to do as these like legendary experts yeah. and we have talent and like, we definitely have expertise. Like Ricky knows his stuff. I know, I know my stuff, but we have our own struggles and our own mentors too. And I'm not even saying it facetiously. Cause you know, Elon Musk, like, Oh, I'm unhappy too. No, 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 <laughs> not that. No, I'm not doing that. Like yeah, yeah. we literally, like, I know, at least I know me, there are things I like cry to my mentor about mm-hmm. <laughs> and I look at him and I'm listening to his podcast and I'm like, Oh man, I want to be there. And then he yep. has to tell me the same thing. He's like, dude, literally my like billionaire mentor. I feel like a child when I speak to him. So it's it just, <laughs> we're all just trying to help each other on the same journey, just in different areas. We just hit different places. Right. Um, very true. The, the, yeah, the thing that I've, I went through recently and I want to take the example away from pickup because I want to just make it more clear by, you know, talking outside of dating specifically. I mean, okay. basically, so, so my, my frontier right now and the big, the big new challenge for me, sort of my, my pickup, you know, cause I did that in the past. Now my new thing is business mm-hmm. learning how to build my business to where it's like a give or take a 300 K company and hire mm-hmm. someone else so that I can, you know, not have to do all the coaching per se running, blah, 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 you know, just building an empire. That's what I want to do and get in real estate. And I hired a mentor to help, to help me get there so I can get more recurring revenue and do things the right way. Mm -hmm. And one thing that we noticed was I have a lot of blocks around my money and my income and how I, how I leverage it. And I also have blocks around how I present my skills to the world. Mm -hmm. And I never knew this before. This is going to be the most vulnerable thing I've ever said in a fucking podcast. I only (laughs) talk about this to like my clients and very close friends. Um, but here's the thing. One thing we realize is, so I don't know if you guys, you guys probably don't know this cause you can't see me, but I'm a black dude. I got dreads in tattoos and I look like a SoundCloud rapper. So <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I have tattoos like all over my neck. I mean, Ricky, you know this, if you guys yeah. look at my channel, my YouTube channel or any of this, I look, I don't, I'm being honest, man. I don't look like the stereotype of what I sound like. I, I'm just not going to bullshit you. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> if you laugh, it's not racist. I don't care, but I, I'm very aware of that. Right. So right. basically I grew up in this very conservative home. I grew up in this home where my mom, my dad is a really successful man of color. My mom is, you know, a good woman. She taught us really fundamental Christian values. And I was raised to to sort of be like my dad. And my dad's my greatest inspiration, my greatest fucking hero. And I I love that man to death. Um, But he's like a very clean black man, right? And in in a lot of times in the black community, there's this sort of expectation, you know, among relatively successful people of color mm-hmm. that you have to, you know, dress the right way and be a presentable black man, represent your family. Well, you know, you need to step up and do better, whether it's true or not. I don't know. I'm, I'm making money regardless of that, right. how I look and stuff. But my mom, from when I was younger, I never realized this until working with Caleb, literally this happened four or five months ago when I had this realization, I was crying like crazy. 
she's raised me to fulfill this expectation of be a clean cut, proper young man, which, mm. which in itself maybe is good or maybe not. Again, I don't know. But what happened is as I got older and as I started wanting to do my own thing, you know, I, I left home super early. Um, I got tattoos, grew my hair out, got dreads, have colors in my hair. I dress like a fucking hype beast, wear oversized clothes <laughs> and all kinds of weird clothes. I, I do that, right? Yeah. Because um, and also part of it was the influences of New York and L.A. That's where I kind of started going into and around. So those people really influenced me a lot. I saw how the mm-hmm. fashion people dressed and I just attached to that. But my mom, as I grew up and we maintained a relationship – subtly and i never noticed this until this year she would always put this kind of shame on me like you didn't grow up to be the presentable man that your father is or Mm. that that a black man should be and it manifested in a crazy way it's insane how this affected my life and what happens is you know and then i was in pickup as well and that went against her values and my father's values which i i do understand it completely why they feel that and that also caused a bit of a goal so like an example of this is on my phone my mom has a picture of me like with me wearing a suit and tie and going and preparing to go to church from when i was 16 and i always tell her i'm like mom you should change that photo like that's not how i look now i'm so much more attractive <laughs> and cool now that's like her cover photo on my phone and every time i would tell her that she's always like you think that you you look better now depending on what crowd you ask and then she'll kind of go into a little speech on like mm. like it depends on what you think success is, right? Then what'll mm-hmm. happen is I'll maybe in the, I'll tell my mom, hey mom, guess what? I like, I taught my client how to like be fully engaged with his partner and his girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. And she's mm-hmm. like, that gives kind of a, yeah, it's founded in like foolishness and kind of things <laughs> like that. So yeah. what happens is here's the manifestation. I don't want to drone on too much. My dad has this really incredible network of entrepreneurs and business owners that really could have helped my business mm-hmm. grow and, and they still can. Whenever I'll go with my dad to these events, and we're very close, so I'm at his events a lot, and people ask me what I do. They're like, hey, man, what do you do? You know what my answer is, Ricky? Oh, What's nothing. That? I, don't, I don't do anything. Really? Uh, I, I don't do anything. Yeah. I, I, I'm literally an entrepreneur running like a relatively pretty successful company. Yeah. And when I'm in these environments of people that are clean cut, well-dressed, you know, making more money than me, but, you know, still people I could definitely talk to and yeah. network with and sell on my program – when they ask me what you do, I instantly clam up and I'm like, oh, no, no, I don't do anything. Ah, man, I'm just hustling, man. I have never once in my life given a pitch to anyone in my dad's circle. And they're all rooting for me. Like my yeah. dad literally tells, tells them about me. He's like, my son runs a successful company and none of them I ever pitched you sell to. I, none of that. I just don't do it. I mean, getting to it now because yeah. thank you, Caleb. That's <laughs> the shadow. That's I, where was I, the shadow? I sorry. Let me say one more thing, just to complete the the loop. Yeah. The shadow is, I believe that I'm not good enough for these people because I don't look like a presentable black man or present. Forget even black, just a presentable entrepreneur. I don't look like what my mom's idea of success should be. And by the way, my mom is great. She's like the best <laughs> mother-in-law and she's incredible. So if you ever hear this mom listening to the <laughs> alpha <laughs> podcast, then um, I mean, okay, but she, she's amazing. So no harm to her. You know, she's done the best job a mother could ever do. And yeah. I'm sure I'll have shit with my kids too, but this was a deep, subtle conditioning, Ricky, that yeah. literally affected my ability to make massive amounts of income. I think that's that's huge, and, and I appreciate you for sharing that and, and opening up about that because there's so many um, there's so many examples of like or a breakdown of that, like how 
you were manifesting your own worst fear, right? Because a lot of people would be mm. like, well, I don't want to share that or I don't want to put that out there because, you know, then this bad thing will happen. Well, what was mm. really happening was that fear of keeping it in was manifesting the fact that you weren't getting those deals and whatnot, right? And I, I like mm. how you made the point too, and I want to bring this out is that everyone is rooting for you. And I, I think that's mm. huge for guys to understand. And, and that's why I appreciate you using such a, a vulnerable example because I'm sure guys – and even myself, like in different scenarios are doing that. They're like, you believe mm. one thing, right? You're like, well, I don't want to do this because of this, but actually that belief is blocking you. And really mm. on the other end is people are rooting for you. Now I'll take it back to dating <laughs> just uh, because a lot yeah, of guys are, yeah. are listening, but that's, I feel like a lot of guys do that with women, right? Well, I don't mm. have this or, you know, a big thing is heights for guys, right? Well, I, I'm a short mm -hmm. guy or mm -hmm. whatever it is they'll take that and they have that belief in their head and they're convinced. Right. And so when they go up yeah, to women, yeah. they're like, Oh, women are rejecting me when really women are rooting for you. Like, like yeah. girls don't want to be approached by a whole bunch of creepers and whatnot. Like some of them do want to hook up or be with other guys, but a lot of them want to just find, like just settle down and get out of a dating game just as fast as you or whatnot, you know? Yeah. So it's yeah. like, but the fact that you have that belief is blocking you when they're really rooting for you on the other side. They want you to be that 100%. guy that walks you through and gives them that great experience or dates them or whatever, right? right? And so right. I, I think that's ins I think that's crazy. It's, it's it, but it's also a, an eye opening like realization to understand that. So, yeah. like if you're so also guys listening to this, yeah. oh, go ahead. No, you're about to do it. You do it. Yeah. <laughs> go well, ahead. It's like if you're listening to this and you have a belief that is blocking you, whether it be like your heights or finance, like money or like whatever it is, whatever that insecurity is like, well, I don't have this and that's what's holding me back. Realize that that belief is, is cock blocking you in a way and that you got to, you mm -hmm. got to clear that up. You got to be okay with that and come to terms with that. And that's why I like that you, sure. you shared something from your, shared it personally. And the fact that you own it it, it mm. removes the power it has over you, right? It removes yeah. the power yeah. it has over you. So that's huge, yeah. my man. That's huge. Yeah. I was going to say to all the guys that are listening to this to echo exactly what you just said, mm. dude, like all the girls want you to win. Like they yeah. want you to fucking win. They're just like hoping with every date that you have, it's like, please let this guy win. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the predominant thought. You know, you know, it was a funny side tangent I was thinking about while you're talking yeah. about shadow work and you're like, oh, well, you've probably seen when you look out um, at bars and nightclubs, like, like guys body language. I notice a lot about women too. And their, mm. their need for shadow work, you know, like at, mm. at the beginning, usually you're like, oh, this girl is rejecting me because uh, I'm, I'm whatever my insecurity is at the time. Right. Sure. But sure. what I started realizing is like some girls were actually rejecting me because of, I could see like a wound in them. Right. Mm. So, and, and I think that's like huge for guys, even if you're just starting out or sometimes, sometimes it's not, it's <laughs> the more you realize it and the better, you, that's why it's good to build confidence and whatnot right. is, is you realize it's not about you. She's not actually rejecting you. It's like, it's like two insecure people are coming up and then you're walking away and being like, Oh, well, she didn't like me because of this. And then usually the guy's like, well, that girl's a bitch, right? You're trying to compensate for it. But that's why it's good to do this inner work because then you realize, okay, I'm good. I'm, I accept myself. Mm -hmm. Some people might not, mm -hmm. not like me or whatever. Some girls are going to reject me. That's fine. I still accept myself. Mm -hmm. I still love myself. And maybe we can talk about that a little bit about the um, self-love and self-acceptance. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, that's why it's good to do this work 
because then you, you come from it. You don't have anything repelling you, but then you'll start realizing it's most of like a game and seduction is making the girl feel comfortable because they are dealing with their own bullshit too. And dealing with like bad relationships and shit and then projecting that onto you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and then it's your job to have awareness to be able to realize that and then, and make it at ease. Be like, look, you know, you probably have a lot of douchebags coming up to you. I just want to say what's up, you know, like I like your dress or whatever. And they're like, Oh shit. Right. You kind of wake them up from their, whatever they're projecting onto you. And then actually you guys can Mm -hmm. get into the moment and start having fun. So sure. Yeah. But so true. But let's jump over to uh, self-acceptance and self-love because I think that's huge too. That's something I'm personally working on more. And I, I put out a post. I'm like, this probably sounds cheesy to a lot of guys. It's like, you're teaching mm-hmm. guys how to be alpha, but you're talking about self-love. Like, what, why, mm-hmm. why is it important for guys to learn self-love? That's and a dense is, question. I yeah. wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> that's a good one. And, mm. and, go ahead. I'll, I'll just start you with that. No, go ahead. Or are you going to say you're going to add something? It'll probably oh, help me answer the question better. Maybe go just ahead. some, like m- maybe some exercises or, um, yeah. yeah. What, what, that, what does that entail for, for guys? Sure. The, so here's the thing. I think that, yes, I think it is important for, for people to love to have self-love, but the reason why I struggle to answer it is because I think that just telling someone like have self-love is a very difficult thing to do because if you're in a reality where you're trapped in a spiral of unconscious behaviors, mm. it is very, very difficult to snap out of that. Like extraordinarily difficult. That's why I, I, not to like be salesy, but I tell people like, again, the guy is listening to this who follow Ricky, like this man like knows his shit and is offering stuff. So if you're like <laughs> in a spiral specifically when it comes to dating, like just talk to him at least and see what kind of work he's doing and see mm. if you're a good fit for it. Right. Mm. Be- because there, ha- there does have to be a start somewhere. So I agree. Like self-love is a hundred is a hundred percent important, but I just don't ever tell people to start off with self-love. Okay. I just assume that. And again, this is not a disagreement by the way with you at all. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's things we also disagree on. That would be fun too. I'm sure <laughs> we can think of things we think differently on, but right now we're just on a roll. Yeah. But for me, when it comes to self-love, I never tell anyone to start off with self-love because it's so difficult to just create that by itself. Here's the thing. Mm. It, it, basically, you as a person, you have some, you have a subjective reality, right? Reality is very subjective. It, it's not objective. Your, your reality of the world, and this is so fucking apparent, like we see the divides that's happening in America. We see stuff happening all over the world. It, it, reality is very based on how you see it. Like that is mm-hmm. a fact. Like Hitler, in his own mind, did not think he was evil. Right? Right. Like, let's just be real here. Yeah, it's very relative, and I hope no, like no, no feminists take that cut of this podcast. <laughs> Ricky and Tim yes. just said that. Okay. That's the only clip. Anyway, <laughs> hey, if that yeah, blows exactly. stuff, I'll take I'll take the heat at that. Dude, all <laughs> press is good press, right? Right. Just tag me in your in yeah. your press, please. Yes. Let me get a, like a five percent. Yeah. Okay. I'll probably flip it <laughs> and say that I said it. So let's be sure that Tim said this and not. Right. Right. You're 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 the white dude, so they're definitely <laughs> yeah. gonna say you said it, right? Yep. It'll be a little harder to sell like me on that okay (laughs) anyway (laughs) anyway so but here's the thing it's very hard to snap out of your own reality because that's just what you're working in yeah like you're just stuck in a reality so what happens is people if you want to change your reality and this is actually will answer the question of self-love okay if you want to change your reality what you have to do is you have to take steps to prove to yourself that there is an alternate reality that exists 
Mm. And you, you do this with your clients. I'm, you have to like, you're, if you guys get results, there's no way you don't do this. Right. By an example of like, you mentioned your, your the two week project you do or yeah. that you're working on taking guys out and showing them how to have social confidence, showing them how to lead girls towards intimate experiences. That's mm-hmm. all proof. Like, and I don't know if you think of it from a psychological perspective, you sound more like the action taker, like let's go do it and you make it easy for guys, which I think is fucking amazing. I tend to go on the super like analytical side of all of this. And for, for me, just psychologically, your brain needs to have proof that something exists before you can believe you it's in your reality, right? Mm-hmm. So like, I'll go back to me, like with money, right? And like, selling people on like yeah. more expensive programs and blowing my business up. I like to use that as a parallel. So I don't just work with in dating, you know, so yeah. we can see different examples. So with me, with money in my reality, like a year ago, it, it was completely out of my reality to charge someone for a $10,000 program. Like that mm. did not make sense to me, which is what I charge now. And soon it's going to be more because Caleb's forcing me to <laughs> thank you, Caleb. <laughs> but like it, it was, it did not make sense to me. It was just absolutely insane. Um, but once I started to, once he told me again, the mentor, the all, the outside force, the outside force coming in and telling me, you must quote this price. If you do not, there's going to be a penalty or, or like, I'll just like not work with you. You know, he's scaring me, whatever you do to scare your clients, whatever I do Mm -hmm. to scare mine. He was just like, you know, making me do it. Mm -hmm. I did it. When you hear that, yes, it's artificial because you don't believe it can happen. So you don't believe this is actually going to happen. Like I didn't believe it when I tell the person, yeah, so it's this much per month. I don't believe they're going to say yes. But when I hear the yes, fuck. Oh, this is actually possible. So self-love. This is the biggest proof you can give when it comes to self-love. You have to be willing to share of yourself to the world and see what comes back. If you never share of yourself to the world and you don't get proof that that version of you, that, that real self is okay, it's very hard to love yourself. Because you cannot love yourself within a a bubble. Like you need proof that you are okay. And again, shadow work helps with this. But when it comes to self-love or like self-acceptance, what I do is I tell my students, and and maybe you give them things similar to this with dating. Mm -hmm. I say, you're going to communicate in this way that is very open, honest, and vulnerable. And -hmm. we're going to look for proof that people hate it. Like, honestly, this part of you that you've been like hiding from, I'll give you an example. So I have, I had a client who was like super overweight and lost a bunch of weight, but he still saw himself as this guy who was overweight. That's a pretty common thing, you know? Mm. Um, And what I told him was, I said, okay, from now on, when you go on dates, he wanted to get a girlfriend and, you know, eventually get married. That was his goal. I said, when you go on dates, what you're going to do is when you speak to women, one of the first things you're going to talk about is your weight loss journey. You're not going to try to sound cool. You're not going to do any of that. You're going to actually just like talk about how you used to be fat and you're actually going to show them pictures. (laughs) <laughs> and what happened is I, what I, what I told him was I didn't tell him like, look at how much they appreciate and like, it. I didn't say that. I said, look for signs that they don't like that. Or they like you less. Like, let's try to prove that. Mm. Let's try to prove that that version of you was terrible. Right. And what happened is we did three weeks of this and he, he couldn't find proof of it. Like he couldn't actually find proof. So huh. I said, okay, let's look at the other kind of proof. <laughs> what happened? Okay, well, I'm seeing one of the girls now pretty regularly, or like I, I think he got laid like once or something like that on the first date, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, so it seems like what we're seeing here is it really doesn't 
matter and people just look over that and just like you for who you are now. When that happens consistently, your reality begins to change. So it's not that you're looking for proof that other people love you to say like, oh, now I can love myself. But a lot of times the reason we don't love ourselves is because everyone has told us or we believe it's a belief. It may, it may be real or it may not be. Some beliefs are true. Some are simply not. But regardless, we have a belief that we're not okay as we are. It could come from your mother. Again, going back to me with my journey with self-love saying, Tim, you looking like like a psycho SoundCloud rapper it doesn't mean you're not a professional and not intelligent. Mm-hmm. Me understanding that's my journey of self-love. Your journey could be, you know, your things with mental health, go mm-hmm. overcoming depression. That's your journey, right? Yep. You have to prove that these parts of myself don't mean I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. Once that happens, now you have room for love because love is the default. Like love is, is just like, again, if your parents raise you, pretty well and and you again i want to be careful saying that to respect the experiences of everyone but generally we've seen that pretty much if you your parents don't shame you at all and and things like that and your friends are really healthy growing up and you don't have anything to get away from when you're a kid you're you're pretty much going to be okay and the default is going to be relatively high confidence in most areas except for a few you know as you grow up you just get scars the default is love. So the moment you clear and the moment you accept, oh, these parts of myself I hated are actually fine. Again, me with pickup, which was a huge thing where I hated myself for that. That's mm-hmm. my journey of self-love back in the day. Mm-hmm. Once that happens, now the default is just love. So you don't even have to coach yourself into loving yourself. And the final thing that I'll say is you asked, why is it important for guys to love themselves? Mm-hmm. I, I, the simplest answer, I don't, honestly, I don't have a much, a lot on that because I think it's, I don't know the I don't know the reason why it's important. I'm still learning that myself. Mm-hmm. But I, I I just think that the reason why it's important for men to love themselves specifically is because oh, actually I kind of have something. As men, I think we're like we're leaders. Like I just think yeah. that honestly, man. It's it's I know it's not the cool thing to say nowadays, but I'm just being real in this space that you've created. Again, thanks for this platform, yeah. Ricky. I appreciate it so no, much. I, I think that is needed to to say that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, men, I think we're, we're meant to be leaders. And in this yep. space that you've created, this virtual campfire for these the brothers that are listening to this with us mm-hmm. and joining in this conversation, I mean, I think we're meant to be leaders and we, we can be leaders. And I think the best way you can be a leader is by giving love to other people, right? That's, I think that's yeah. the best way, honestly, to be a leader, right? Being loving to others. And yeah. it's so hard to be loving to others unless you can love yourself. So I think that's why you need to, to be loving as a man. Yeah, no, I, I think that's huge. Um, I was trying to think back to the oh, the point you said about. So I'm sorry, I talk so the, much, no, man. It's, no, it's don't <laughs> don't even think about it. It's good. I'm just like this is gold. I'm like trying to like keep up. I'm like, oh, that was good. That was good. Um, there was a point about beginning the self love, uh, working up to it, like showing evidence of it. Mm. It's left. Yeah, the proof, of, proof proof but yeah like going on it and then realizing it. and I, I think oh that's what you said the default the default is love mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. and i i think that's huge too and, and kind of connects to your point at the end of like being leaders that that um help other people be loving as well and, and i think mm-hmm. that it even helps your relationship with women you'll get into deeper relationships with women you got to be careful too because like sometimes mm-hmm. you'll attract women with a lot of you know her own baggage and you don't want to be mm-hmm. um captain save a hoe of like having to fix her like i'm definitely all Absolutely. for helping people but like you don't want to get into a toxic relationship where then now you're sure. fixing them too so you got to be careful with it yeah but but i think mm-hmm. that that is a huge thing too is 
being a leader who helps other guides, other people to, to getting back to their default, which is love. And, mm-hmm. and I, th- and I think with love, it kind of connects with the, um, the thing of gratitude is it's an attractive vibe, right? It's an attractive mm-hmm. vibe. It's pointing like a lot of people when, when you're stuck, uh, worrying about yourself or like your problems mm-hmm. or in that victim mentality. And I, and I get that, but it's like the energy is pointed inward. It's like, if you have an internal compass, it's pointed mm-hmm. inward. And so the, the problem with that though, is it's repelling you from getting the love and help and the things that you want. So you're walking around with like this, almost like a magnet that's pointed inverse, where when you right. practice gratitude, when you, when you do those things of looking for evidence and get back to the default of love, then you actually mm-hmm. radiate this attractive quality where people uh, want to be around you. You know, you'll get comments mm-hmm. from women that I like your vibe. You're, I feel comfortable around you. And, and this is like sure. when, you, when yeah. they just meet you too, they feel this level of trust because you've, you've done the inner work. And, and I think mm-hmm. guys that really want to be attractive where it's like you don't have to do so many techniques and whatnot. It's more of a natural style is to, mm-hmm. to get to that, that default setting, you know, like becoming the mm-hmm. man you admire, becoming someone who loves themselves. So, but I think that's huge too. And I, I like how you put out that, you know, like if you're struggling with that to go get evidence for yourself first, I think that's huge. You can't just jump into self-love. And I think a lot of guys may be listening to this, you know, that are validly rolling their eyes. and like, Oh, great. The self-love speech. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's important that you, you hit the first few levels of it too. So you can right. start getting back to the default setting. Anyways, mm-hmm. Tim, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like we have to do another one of these. Cause I feel like this is great, man. Like, Dude, you probably, are, you are a great host, my man. Um, thanks man. I appreciate that. And you're a wealth <laughs> of information that we didn't even get to, um, conversations and stuff, uh, your conversation. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do a part two. We'll, um, we'll do a part two. Like, just let me know. Yeah. yeah. But uh, for the rest of the guys, like go check out his Facebook for sure. He has uh, a lot of content. I like your whiteboard Wednesdays, but how can guys reach out to you if uh, they want to check out more of your content? Uh, Check out my YouTube channel um, and you'll see my face and, and I need subscribers because (laughs) all the pickup guys left. So um, check out my, it's just my name, Tim Ray. And you'll see a lot, a lot of content on, on things that, that Ricky and I have talked about here and combined with, with, a lot, a lot of action and stuff for you guys to do. Um, and, and that's it. All my links are pretty much on YouTube. If you cool. have views, Instagram more, check out my Instagram at trade today, but just YouTube, my name, Tim Ray and Instagram is T R A Y T O D A Y. Yeah. That's where you can find me. Awesome. Thanks for coming on, Tim. We'll do this again. And thanks everyone for listening to talk to you guys later. Thanks guys.